Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. Episode number 38, the Prolific Writer Podcast. Do you have the guts and the grit to keep on going? Well, Jackie Dolamore does. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is your prolific writer podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton. I am so glad that you have stopped by. However you found us, however you're listening to us in your ear thingies, earbuds, your phone, your iPad, your computer, on the train, on the treadmill, in the car. I am so glad that you're with us today. The the podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, write often, and write well. The prolificness Nation is here, and we have another prolific writer guest here today, and I'm really excited to introduce you to Jackie Dolamore, and we'll get to her story in just a moment. But I first want to just say, hey, thank you again to all the kind comments, kind reviews that you have left the show. It means a lot to me and I've uh, really been getting some great feedback. We're, we're fairly new. We're not even a year into the into the show. And and really I, I have to be very honest and very open about why I started the show. And and I have to admit I, I started the show for selfish reasons. I started the show for me uh because I needed a podcast like this. I, I wanted to continue to be a prolific writer. I wanted to meet people who are prolific writers. I, I wanted to help, uh, inspire, encourage, give practical advice to those that, that are, that want to write and those that are writing. And so it kind of just started with just me wanting the podcast that I wanted. And it's really exploded into something that I could have never, um, dreamed of myself. And so I'm really, uh, just thankful for, 
um, all the good feedback, all the questions, all the comments, all the, one of my favorites is I, I just love the, the guests that you find because I've never heard of them, but I'm learning a ton. Uh, they're really helpful and I love their stories and that's really what we're, we're hoping for. And so, so thank you for, uh, just again, the, the kind words, the, the comments, the feedback. And, um, and, and one thing I, I've, I've mentioned a couple of times is we've kind of revamped our website. And, uh, if you get a chance, go to the prolific writer.net. And I have a couple things there for you to help in your writing and a couple of freebies that I think you'll, you'll really enjoy. And the people have been finding them helpful. Uh, one is just a free mini email course where I'll send you an email every day. It's a little, little writing hack, a little motivation, a little inspiration, get you unstuck. Um, some things that I do and some things I've learned along the way that can kind of help you get those words on the page. And, uh, so check that out. You can sign up. You'll see them there. It's kind of all over the place. You'll, you'll find it a uh, free writing mini course. And I got two other little freebies, little cheat sheets, little, little thingy dingies, uh, to help you, um, in your writing. One is, uh, actually a outline, um, little outline cheat sheet that, uh, helps you kind of get unstuck, get those words on the page, um, see how that goes. And, um, and, and kind of, you know, might be in the middle of a writing project, you might be stuck, um, but it's a bunch of questions to kind of get you going. You can apply it to nonfiction or fiction. And so, um, outline start to finish, check that one out. I think you'll enjoy that. And, uh, then we also have our little 10 confessions of the, our daily confessions of the prolific writer. And these are 10 things that are essential for becoming a prolific writer, little, little mantras, little things to think about as you're, you're writing. And you can check that out. Those are all free. My little gift to you because you're awesome. And, and so thanks for being uh, just loyal guests and fans and, and just awesome people. So let me, let me just read one of the the reviews. I, I love this. Um, just it encourages me and I'll encourage you. It says, love this podcast. This is Eliza Boyd. Ryan has amazing guests who have the most awesome knowledge, experience, and advice. I've learned so much from listening to this podcast, and I can't wait to hear who's on next. Thanks. I'll read one more. Uh, a guy named Nick, he says, I've, I've really enjoyed this podcast so far. Ryan has gotten some interesting guests to come on the show, and he is a skilled interviewer. He asks good questions and elicits answers that I have found to be very helpful in my own writing practice. He's also very likable, which makes it a pleasure to listen to my favorite new writing podcast. Well, that's very flattering. I don't know how likable I am. If you've talked to my wife, she might say something different. But thank you, uh, prolific writer nation. And we have another great guest here. L- let me get, get to it. Jackie Dolomar, she is the epitome of the prolific writer. And what I love about Jackie's story is she has grit. She has guts. Uh, she has gone through the ringer as far as writing career, traditionally published, indie published, up and down, and she just keeps on going and she just hustles and works. And, you know, when things are going bad, she's she's starting businesses, she's selling stuff. You're going to just hear an amazing testament to what it means to be a prolific writer. And one of the things that I took away from talking to Jackie was just her guts and her grit and just to keep on going and writing what you love. And so I'm so excited to share this interview with you. I had a great time interviewing her and I hope you have a great time listening to her and you're going to get tons and tons of great writerly awesomeness and practical things to put into practice right now. So with no further ado, here is Jackie Dolomar.
Well, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is your host, Ryan J. Pelton, and I am so privileged today to have uh, Jacqueline Dolamore. Uh, loves history, vintage dresses, and anime. As a kid, she was obsessed with ElfQuest comics, Final Fantasy, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and L.M. Montgomery novels. And this explains so much. Now she writes fantasy romance novels with thoughtful characters and detailed world building. She lives with one man who is very good at solving plot problems and three weird cats who are better at stepping on keyboards in a circa 1878 house in Western Maryland. So welcome to the show, Jacqueline. And can you fill in anything that I've missed? Um, and I'd love to hear more about who you are. Um, that's pretty much the basics. I've been writing all my life and I've been published since 2009 first with traditional publishers and now as an indie and uh, there's not really a lot more <laughs> in basics to say all right well I'm glad that uh, your little Amazon blurb summed it all up for us so um, thanks for coming on the show and uh, I, I wanted to have Jackie on the show uh, for a couple of reasons one is I'm always looking for interesting stories out in the writing space and uh, came across a little post that Jackie had made. And I've been following Jackie around, not in a weird, creepy way, but um, following her career and she's been having some success. And what I love about this show is that there's so many indie writers and traditionally published writers that you've never heard of yet are having great success as writers. And so I always want to bring on people that can inspire you and encourage you that this is possible. And so um, so one of the things that I want to talk about first was you mentioned that you have been traditionally published and then kind of making the transition to indie publishing and wanted you to just kind of kick us off with that. What has that been like? What have you been learning? Um, start there. Um, well, so when I started, when I first started, it was like 2006, probably pursuing it seriously and YA was booming. So that seemed to be the best place for me at the time. I've always just mainly identified as a fantasy author, but YA was really creative and diverse, and like it seemed like they'd kind of accept any wacky thing at the time. So I started out writing YA. It took me three years to get an agent. I had a book that I rewrote like three or four times and kept submitting. That was a whole process. I sent out over a hundred queries over the years and kept retooling and reworking and learning, really studying the craft of writing in those years. And so I signed with an agent. She sold the book really quickly, like three weeks. That was my debut novel, Magic Under Glass. And for the next, however, six years or so, I was with her, and she ended up selling five novels for me to both Bloomsbury and Disney Hyperion. And I got to work with some great editors, and there was a lot of really good stuff about those years. But over time, I started to feel kind of frustrated because sometimes I'd write something, and you know, she'd say, well, I don't know if I can really sell this. Or I had some frustrating experiences with kind of, you know, people telling me what I should or shouldn't be writing as far as what's marketable. And I had, I had a world I'd been writing since I was 12. And that was what I really wanted to write was like a long overarching fantasy story about this world. 
but that was obviously not going to fly. Like, unless you're the luckiest person in the world, you're not going to sell a huge series with multiple characters and stuff. So eventually I knew that was going to run into a wall and I was seeing some of my friends making it as an indie, but I didn't know a lot about it. I didn't know how much money could be made or if it was really a viable career path. So I, for a while I didn't do anything with it, but eventually I came to a head where I just, I was miserable working on my fifth book. It seemed like it took forever. I hated every minute of it. I was like crying before I sat down to write. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to look into this indie thing. So I left my agent and I spent a brief time trying to find a new agent for the book I really wanted to write, but quickly gave up, ended up self-publishing it. (laughs) If I got shit shut down book report. Um, And so I worked on that and I published that and I did everything wrong and it didn't sell anything, but I learned a lot about the indie business in several months time. And that was when I then published The Sorcerer's Concubine, taking what I had learned. And that did pretty well. I I could live off of it. <laughs> and I was very happy. And that then kind of died out, too. And I ended up um, going with a pen name, taking what I learned even more in the next year about the market. And now the pen name is really doing well. And I still hope to get back to my baby fantasy world at some point but for now i'm like wow i'm actually making like real adult money for the first time in my life so it's it's been a long journey but well yeah i i love your story because i i think a lot of people listening are going to resonate uh the the traditional publishing path obviously is viable and a route that people can go but i i hear this thread from you and from others of it gives us this flexibility. I want to write the stories I want to write. I want to publish it the way I want. I don't want to be boxed in by markets. And now yeah. we have this kind of whole world that's opened up. Um, and, and I think, you know, there's some wisdom, obviously, you know, you, you could write cat fiction or you could write something weird, but um, you know, you're kind of walking that line of, you do want to sell obviously, um, but you also don't want to sell out. And so um, I loved how you were just vulnerable and saying, you know, writing these books. I just hated them. I didn't want to do them and, and just not really writing what you want to write. And I think that's, that's a, an important piece that if you can't write which, what you want, you're just not going to last long term. You're going to be miserable. Um, so let's, let's follow that thread a little bit um, on the score of why fantasy, why romance? Everyone kind of has an origin story. And, and how did your kind of, uh, why this genre and then kind of your creative life? How did you you know, you're talking about writing books since the age of 12 or stories since the age of 12. Like what, what kind of kicked that off as far as being a, a writer? Well, I was writing even before 12. In fact, my mom, when I was little, couldn't even write yet. My mom used to write down stories I would dictate to her and she filled a whole notebook with them. And then I could write by the time I was five and I was already writing weird stuff. I wrote a story about like a girl, a lot of mermaids, like tormented mermaids. (laughs) I was kind of an angsty child. And I also liked, I also always liked romance. Everything was always fantasy and everything was always a romance going back to my very early days. So I haven't changed much, but I was also into a lot of different stuff as shown in my blurb. And I tended to kind of mash everything I liked together into some weird conglomeration of everything I loved. So 
when I was 12, that was when I started with like my world, which had a mixture of everything I liked. It was kind of a parallel world where fantasy, like kind of an epic fantasy world that had discovered a portal to our world and started importing pop culture and like technology and how that impacted them over decades. So that was a way for me to pull in a lot of like contemporary stuff as well as like epic fantasy elements. That world was my baby, and that's where the Sorcerer's Concubine is set and Fortune's Curse and most of the books that I'm now publishing under my own name. And um, I'm trying to remember what your original question is. I tend to get off on tangents. Mm -hmm. Um, No, it's fine. Yeah, what were like uh, some maybe like early books that you read that you just said, you know, this is the kind of stuff I want to write or this is the kind of stuff I I love? Were any certain books that kind of um, inspired you? Um, I was really into the Xanth books when I was like 12, 13. Those were definitely an early inspiration. I also was like, I didn't, I read a lot of comics. So there's a lot, I thought I'd actually be a comic book artist for a while. There's a lot of influence from comic books, especially ElfQuest, but also there was some X-Men. There was some anime manga was kind of coming around when I was a teenager. I kind of pulled from all the nerdy stuff that was big in the (laughs) nineties. Well, great. So, so I was definitely influenced a lot by Japanese culture. So how about your family? Like your your mother, your father, your siblings, were they, they creatives, writer? Obviously your mom was helping you, you know, start your publishing business as she, you know, dictates your stories. I love that. Um, yeah. Was that kind of just encouraged in your home um, growing up or in school or anywhere else? Oh, yeah. Um, I was homeschooled, pretty much unschooled. So I kind of, my sister and I were mostly left to our own devices as far as what we wanted to do. So we... My whole life was pretty much reading, and my sister and I had and would always play these long, elaborate pretend games, which is where the world really came from. That would sometimes last like all day, and it was an ongoing story that we would play out into our teens because we didn't go to school, so we didn't know that we like were too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> so that. We just kept doing it, drawing comics, writing supplementary stories, and yeah, my mom let us do whatever. So she definitely provided. And my dad was at work, but he was, he was cool with it. As long as we didn't wake him up while he was trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So what was your, what was kind of your, your, I call it your Eureka moment where, where you said, I want to, I want to be a writer. I want to do this. I want to make up stories and then kind of, I can do this. So, so both and so, so I want to do this, but then there's kind of a moment where you think I I really can do this. I'm getting some positive feedback. Maybe people like my stories. Maybe it's just a kind of creative impulse, but, but talk us through that. What was kind of the, the experiences that you kind of went through to realize, like, I love writing and I really want to do this. I always wanted to do it. And I always saw myself as a writer, like from really early on. But there is that gulf where, like, I thought writers were, like, rich celebrities and, like, being a writer was really hard, which in some ways it is, but, like, almost impossibly hard (laughs) because I idolize these people so much. So there was that gulf of, like, trying to get there. And I had a friend who was I owe a lot to because she kind of had that more pragmatic approach where like I wasn't finishing novels when I was a teenager. I just like started stuff and didn't follow through. She was finishing things and she started submitting to agents much earlier than I did. And she kind of, we had kind of a dare with each other that we were going to write over the summer when I was 18, 
we were going to write a trashy teen novel and not pressure ourselves to make it good. And that kind of helped me get past my thing about finishing stuff. So I finished what was supposed to be trashy teen novel. It was actually not bad. It wasn't marketable, but it wasn't bad. And she encouraged me to like send queries out, do something with this kind of critiqued me lightly. And she got an agent over the next few years. So I seeing her do it. She set the pattern. I saw that it was possible. So I still struggled at first, but I started really taking it seriously as a business. And then, of course, adulthood was kind of crashing in on me at that point. I was working at Sears. I didn't go to college because I didn't know what I wanted to do and I didn't want debts unless there was a point. So I was at this point where I like, you need to do something. You don't want to work at Sears forever. So I gave myself a timeline that you have to take writing really seriously, treat it like a business, and you have to get you have to sell a book in four years or you have to go to college and like be something else. <laughs> so that was when I really got serious about it, but it was hard. It was very hard to get past that point of like, it doesn't seem possible. No, that's good. That that's uh really helpful advice that, you know, a lot of people just kind of treat it as a hobby and that's fine. Like hobby writers, there's <clears throat> millions of them and, and that's great. But like when you are saying, I want to make a living, I want to do this. There's something about making that mind shift of just saying, I'm a writer. This is a business. I have to treat it like that. I can't wait for the muse. Yeah. You know, I try, I, I call it the uh, hard hat creative. You know, it's like every day we put on our hard hat, we punch the yeah. clock and we go to work. Right. Um, and we can't wait for bubbly feelings and some unicorn to show up in our bedroom. And, you know, you just have to work, work at it. And, and I loved also, I just want to go back to something you said. Um, I love how you said, you know, authors are these, you know, writers are these kind of famous celebrities that aren't real humans, real people. And we kind of, you know, put them up on a pedestal. And then we think, well, I can't do that, obviously, because there's they're some other kind of unique, you know, aberration of, of humanity that I could never be. And what I love about what I get to do is interview people like yourself and dozens and dozens of authors to say, you may have never even heard of these people, but they're making a great living. They're writing the stories they love. And, and it's not about celebrity and fame. Like it's about work. It's about putting in the work, learning, growing, getting in a community to, to learn and, and, and really just not treating it as this kind of mythical, magical, <laughs> you know, um, that's not for me. Um, so thank you for that. Just kind of, you know, sharing some of that. So along those lines, um, I don't always like to talk about the positive. I also like to learn from the negative. So give us kind of your biggest failure as a writer, like, and then kind of what did you learn uh, from that, that failure? Like give us an, an example or two. Um, well, one was when I was working on Glittering Shadows, the book that made me cry. <laughs> that was, I had written Dark Metropolis, which was book one, and it sold and they wanted a sequel when they bought it. And I had never intended it to have a sequel, but the money was good. And it was like, well, I'll figure it out. And that didn't work out. So <laughs> I should... I realized, like, I should never have agreed to write a book that I didn't have the fire in me to write, no matter what the money was, because it was not worth the money, <laughs> the torture of writing it. And I feel like it, I mean, I've had a few people who loved it, but it's, I feel like it's not really, it just wasn't me at all what came out. It was kind of me just kind of grabbing things that I pulled from other stories and forcing them together into something, and it was, the, my guy figured out a lot of the plot. So that was lesson one. Now, lesson two, I'm still not sure I figured it out because 
meanwhile, I was working on this book that was my baby. And I worked on that book for ages. I kept rewriting it for my agent. It was my first indie publish effort that I screwed up. Then I reworked it as an urban fantasy. No matter what I do with it, it doesn't seem to sell. Nobody really wants it. But I still love the book, so I keep sticking with it. And I guess the lesson there is just that it's okay to have some things that aren't that popular that are just for you. And the good thing about indie is that you can put them out and a few people will love them. But it gives me a chance to write something a little weird. But it it hurts that no one wants to read my Mm -hmm. baby. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I think that's one of the gifts of indie publishing is that these kind of passion projects or stories that we just love and love the characters. And and it gives gives you room and space to do that. I think this is funny because... When you listen to a lot of interviews, almost everyone, doesn't matter what they're creating, they always have like their book that nobody buys, but it's always their favorite. And yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know what that is. It's always I have one too. Like I have this book that's like my absolute favorite and nobody buys it. I'm like, come on, this is great. You know, I would I, I don't know. I just it's just we it's a weird <laughs> weird thing. Like, why do you like that? This is better, you know. Or at I least know. I think it's better. Maybe it's not, but um, no, that's great. And, and I think, um, you know, just giving us, um, the ability to do that and, and say, you know, maybe this one I'm going to write to market and it's going to sell, you know, maybe like you said, you're doing a pen name. Um, uh, but you know, I have this one over here that I just really love and I love the characters and I want to just write it. And Hey, if nobody buys it, that's okay. Um, yeah. but, uh, but that's, that's important. I think that's important to keep you going too as a writer. Um, because there are pressures, there's pressures to, you know, I know a lot of aspiring writers that we're not going to see around in 10, 20 years. It's because they're just chasing genres. They're chasing what's popular. And the problem is it's not going to be popular in five years. And, and so, and you know, they wake up and hate themselves because they're just like, I don't, I don't even enjoy writing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Cause it makes me money. Um, so, you know, living in that, that kind of balance. So why don't you give us um, some craft advice? Um, talk a little bit about some of the kind of biggest truths you've been learning about, um, you know, being a prolific writer, you, you've written obviously over a dozen books and your process, you know, lessons learned, kind of how that's uh, evolved over the years, just as you've kind of been uh, very productive as a writer, obviously. So talk us a little, a little about that, some things you're learning about that. Well, I've learned a lot over the years. I When I was traditionally publishing, I really had to learn the craft in a pretty hardcore way. And I had editors that were tough on me and would really question like why is this character here what is their purpose in the theme and you know every little thing had to have a point and a purpose and a reason and the theme and you know so and every sentence was analyzed three times over so I I really learned the craft through that and the last well second to last editor I worked with she really taught me a lesson I'm not even entirely sure how she did it but one of the things she really taught me was to think about how there was a part of me that was still just kind of like writing it like this is how it happened. Like I just see it unfold and this is how it happened. And she would kind of be like, eh, I don't know about this character. Like, like the love interest guy is not that cool. Could you like make him a little cooler? <laughs> and she would kind of talk me through things like that. And I realized the importance of being deliberate with all of my choices as to how the characters were, what the setting was like, and giving people a little bit of what they really want, which is, you know, at least in my genre, they want some glamour. They want a little wish fulfillment. They want the love interest to be romantic, not just a character struggling on his, with his problems. So I, 
I learned a lot about appealing to the reader and not just writing whatever came to my mind from her. And then when I got to indie, I realized you need to be really prolific to make money generally. So then it was like I had to throw out everything I learned about like taking a year to craft this perfect novel and learn to write a novel in like a month. And at first that really felt like selling out because it was so far from what I was doing. But I realized quickly that there was a really important lesson there and that if you're going to write a novel in a month, you better be having fun with every scene. And I had not been having fun with a lot of what I was writing, at least not in that way. It was like I enjoyed it, but in a semi-tortured kind of way sometimes trying to make sure it was like really literature. So now I'm kind of learning to make things fun, writing more like I did when I was a teenager and there was no pressure to please anybody except myself. So I'm, I'm hoping in the long run, maybe I'll end up with somewhere between those two things that the, the, all I learned about craft and all I've learned about having fun. No, yeah, that's that's great. I, I think the the fun part, you know, Dean Wesley Smith always talks about that. Just if you're not having fun, then do something else. I mean, we're we're not digging ditches. We're not carrying cancer. Like you got to have fun. I mean, I think some writers, you know, take it way too seriously. Well, I'm an artist and I'm a creative and this is my, you know, <laughs> my muse, but don't have any fun doing it. And mm-hmm. and there's been a lot, of, I think, historically, you know, Hemingway, yeah. Hemingway wasn't, you know, just open a vein and bleed. That's what writing is. And it's just this like terrible thing and it's like i hope we can shift that narrative a little bit um because you know storytelling should be fun like when we were kids i mean you sit around a campfire and you tell stories it's not you know it's the same thing we're just putting it down on paper um yeah and and, no i love that i i think you know being able to write what you want having fun um so talk us a a little bit more on kind of you know you're you're writing a book a month let's say what is that daily practice for you? How do you kind of organize your day? How do you, you know, are you an outliner? Are you, you know, talk us a little bit about uh, your, your process in a little more detail. I'm a loose outliner. I like to think of it as kind of mapping out a hiking path, but being open to taking side detours or maybe another way to get there. And then, yeah, I outline pretty quickly and then I just start going and I write usually when I get up, I'll try to get down 1,500 words or so, and then I'll eat, and then get out on another 1,500 words or so. And that's, I don't try to do more than that, because that's enough, and then I need mm-hmm. to go exercise or something. <laughs> so it's pretty straightforward. Sure. I've got it down to a, you know, pretty basic practice mm-hmm. by now. No, I think that's great. I, I was just writing something uh, earlier. I'm putting this little uh, writing book together and been studying some of the, um, you know, what I call prolific writers. Uh, Joe R. Lansdale, Stephen King. A lot of people don't think of them as prolific, but they really are. And they always talk about that. Like, hey, I just do 3,000 words a day, but I do it religiously. And they've produced 70, 80, 90, 100 books. I mean, between the two of them, they've produced hundreds of stories. And, and it's really, yeah, you don't, you know, these authors, you know, 10,000 words, that's fine. Um, but, but I think sometimes there's a, there's a, you don't get the return. Um, you know, if you, you push it too hard and, and your, your creative juices kind of die out and, you know, and then it just don't becomes, a, yeah, like you go brain dead and, but you know, 3000 words a day for a year. I mean, that's astronomical amount of production. 
Um, and so talk a little bit, I, I could have this totally wrong and I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and you don't have to go into the, the pen name, but I know that, um, I think you mentioned that you're writing kind of like 40,000 word, um, kind of novels. Um, is that correct? I, I just want to make sure that's, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, and again, I know you have other books that are longer and et cetera. Um, talk a little bit about just kind of the shorter end. And again, I hate saying that because I don't think it really matters. Honestly. I mean, I don't think people go, Oh, that was only 40,000, not 80,000. Um, especially with Kindle and eBooks and whatnot. Um, yeah. but talk a little bit about kind of the strategy behind that. Um, you know, would you just call those novellas? Do you call them novel or just short novels? Um, how's the writing process been, been like for that? Because I think that's a really good length. Actually. I, a lot of my novels are like 50,000 and, uh, and I don't get any complaints for being too long or too short. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, when I was coming up with the pen name, I wanted, I just was like, well, what's the most maximum value length <laughs> kind of, and book bub will take your book if it's 150 pages, which is a hair over 40,000 usually. And it's hard to get a book bub, but it never hurts to make it eligible. Mm -hmm. So that was part of the strategy. And 40,000 words is enough to tell a decent story, but it's kind of like just get to the good parts kind of storytelling. There's not a lot of padding. It's very much, Mm -hmm. you know, what you're there for. There's, the kind of meeting between the hero and the heroine, the action, you know, some sex scenes. You're kind of, there's not a lot of, like, nonsense in there. And I think people like that, actually, especially in, like, genre. You just kind of want something you can read in an evening. No, I, I love that. I think because there's a shift happening, and I don't think authors are, are tapping into that, is people don't read like they used to. And you can't have a 100,000-word padded book. Um, and, and that's just my, I think, a core belief I have. Um, I had Dean Wesley Smith on here a few weeks ago and, and he talked about how as a commercial writer for years, they made him write these books really long because they had to justify having a print title on the shelf that it had to be big enough. That's all the only reason they had to do it, it wasn't because of the story. So then you read these commercial books and you got some character going off for hundred pages that has really nothing to do with the story. And then they come back and it's like, um, I, I think people just to maximize, like you said, people's time. Um, you know, they're on the train, they're working out and maybe an audiobook, it may be just on the bus reading it. Like you want to give them a good story for the weekend and, and move on. Like, um, and again, not to say there's not a place for 80,000, a hundred thousand word books. Of course there's great ones. Um, yeah. but I love that but, getting to the point. I mean, that's kind of how the pulp writers wrote, you know, it's like not a lot of fluff, get to the action. You don't have to talk about what color the wall is. Um, and you know, really get to the good stuff. And, uh, and I think that's, that's great. Um, so thanks for, thanks for sharing that. So um, give a little uh, advice, a little lessons learned in business specifically. You've talked a lot about that, um, treating your writing, treating your publishing like a business. And obviously you've had some ups and downs, traditional indie you know, lessons learned. But, but talk a little bit about kind of what are some big truths you're learning about the business side of things? Well, I've always been good at business, I have to say. So that's helped. And there was a time when I wasn't making much money as a writer and I had to like come up with a way to make money out of nowhere. So I started an eBay business selling like antiques I bought locally and flipping them. And I learned from that that I'm like really like owning my own business, which was another thing that led me to indie. So my business, I, I keep it simple. I I think people can get really caught up in all the different ways you can market yourself and like the marketing almost becomes like an obsession. Whereas if the book's really good, it will, it will sell itself and you just kind of need to nudge it along. 
So I keep a, I keep it pretty simple. I'm, I'm good at Amazon ads, Facebook ads. Like you just, you need that one line blurb where people read it and they go, Oh wow, what's this? If you have that and the cover and the package backs it up, then you can use easily use pay-per-click ads. You can do a promo run and, you know, people say the promo sites are losing effectiveness as far as like 99 cent, you know, or freebie runs. I haven't found that to be true with my books. The last promo run I did, I moved like almost 900 books so I just think that you have to come up with it with that hook in mind. And if you do, then the rest of the marketing comes pretty easily. That's good. I, I like the, the idea of keeping it simple. Um, it, it seems like, you know, especially, and you're more in some of the same groups too. It's, it's like, it is an obsession over marketing and, and I think sometimes authors are getting stumbled because they're, they're not writing. Like they're, they're just, it's always like, I got the one book and I'm just like, okay, what, what do I got to do? And you know, and they're marketing on everything, every site, every, you know, I got to take this course on Facebook ads and Amazon ads and you know, all this stuff. I, I love that. Keeping it simple, um, having a hook and, and then, you know, obviously you need to write the next book too. I mean, yes. you can't, you know, just have your little baby and caress it and kiss it and, and you know, yeah. massage right. it for the, best use of your time right because then you know and then when people find you like yourself they want to see a backlist they want to see a, a you want your your bookshelf your digital bookshelf full oh i like this oh she's got a lot of stuff out there right i mean I, i've seen this way too many times you know you got two books out there and you're just like why isn't anything happening and you know you're like because you have two books and you know one's a short story and you know you got to get more junk out there you know i don't mean junk yeah. but more you know you got to get more it's just eyeballs right the, the the space is so yeah. noisy that that's what's going to differentiate you from others is, hey, Jackie has 20 books and there's there's a lot of stuff there. And it doesn't mean they'll love everything, but but it, the, the possibility and opportunities there. So, yeah, keep it simple. I love that. Yeah, have a hook. And there's enough info out there. You can figure out how to do Amazon ads. You can figure out how to do Facebook, Facebook ads or whatever marketing, BookBub, um, those other sites. I would agree, too, on the, the sites. Um, everyone's alarmist, you know, they have one bad experience. It's like, Oh, it doesn't work anymore. You know? And, and I, I don't find that true either. I think there's still a lot of good websites to promote your book. Word of mouth, obviously. Um, what is, uh, one tool that every author needs in their toolbox? Um, that could be software that could be anything, just anything you can think of. You say, you know, this is a tool that I, I use and I love. Um, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but the, probably the best thing for me has just been Vellum because it makes it so easy mm -hmm. to create a book. And that I think that would have tripped me up back in the day when you had to format them kind of yourself. I'm not good at that technical stuff. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's just kind of a lot of little things that add up, really. But more than anything, it's probably mindset, just that discipline and patience, knowing there will be ups and downs and sticking with it. If you want a career of longevity, you've got to realize it's a long haul and not everything will be a win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The long game is huge. So you, you and well, and myself, Vellum has been a gift from heaven. Um, yeah. it, it really is that good. I, I just made the shift. I, my last couple of books, I went through Vellum and now they have the print option, which just <laughs> saves yeah. my life and time. And, and, and they make beautiful books. Like, I know it's a little bit of investment, but 
I think like, yeah, it's so worth, I think it's like 200 bucks, like unlimited books. Like if you're a writer and a publisher, like it's a no brainer, like go, you know, take Jackie's advice, go sell some crap on eBay, (laughs) flip some antiques, like get that 200 bucks and make the investment. You'll be really glad you did. Um, and I, I just, uh, I created my first box set and you know what I read, I was like, this is gonna be a nightmare with vellum. Oh my gosh. Made it so much easier. Um, so Go and get it, everybody. And then, yeah, mindset. That, that's huge. Think long-term. Think long game. Too many short-sighted things in writing and publishing. Um, it is a long game. It really is. And, uh, and, and I think it'll keep you sane, too. Um, you know, that one book doesn't hit. It doesn't make you a New York Times bestseller. Like, it's okay. Like, you got to think, hey, 10 more books. It's okay. Um, what? Uh, how about what fiction book um, others, other than your own fiction books, um, what do people need to read? What are some some great fiction books that you really say you know recommend that uh, we need to go out and get? Um, okay, my my computer's doing a little battery thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm having problems with my charger. I should have been paying more attention to this. Okay, let me run upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> You're all right. Um, I'll think about this as I'm running through the shadows. Um, you know, that's a good question because I read a ton, but I'm actually not like a big author fangirl. Like I don't have a lot of authors that I'll read everything they publish. or Sure. I kind of just feel like read whatever. I actually read a ton of nonfiction, which okay. I think is under underappreciated by a lot of fiction authors. Yeah, well, that's actually my next question. So, yeah, but give us some nonfiction. Because <laughs> uh, I think I get so many ideas from nonfiction and I just mm-hmm. read whatever interests me. And I read fiction, too, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I love so many different things that I'm always all over the place. Is there any... L- let me frame it this way. Is there any nonfiction books related to, like, writing business craft anything that you'd say would be really helpful for kind of an aspiring writer well i tell everybody to read self-editing for fiction writers okay that's a good one also take off your pants is my favorite book for outlining yes that is not an r-rated book that is a book on outlining just so you know yes (laughs) is that the libby hawker book yep yep i had her on the show yeah great Great book. Take off your pants. Yep. Libby Hawker. Anything else that comes to mind as far as nonfiction? Doesn't have to be related to writing per se. Um, I'm bad with titles. I read a lot. Yeah, that's my problem. I'm like, I've read this book about this thing. I don't know his name, but. <laughs> yeah. Like if I, if I dug up all my book lists, I'd be like, oh yeah, that and that, but I'm. <laughs> I'm bad at thinking it on the fly. That's okay. We'll we'll stick with self-editing for fiction authors and Libby Hawker's Take Off Your Pants. Great, great book. So um, as we kind of wind down our conversation here, let's imagine you are writing a book, a fantasy world, and in this story, you run across a microphone, and this microphone is, is live. It's hot. Um, it's going to broadcast to the world your truth and a truth about aspiring writers, veteran writers. What are things you would want to tell the world as far as those that are listening 
thinking about becoming a prolific writer, maybe they already are, what are the things you'd want to just encourage them with, you know, inspire them with? Um, what would you want to say to them? Um, well, I know for me, I, I love what I do and I'm always searching for that. I guess to like how to explain, but I think we sometimes underappreciate like the spiritual side of this craft. And one thing I've always done is just kind of like stay open to like the voice that comes to you and sort of guides you along. And I've also always kind of put out to the universe or whatever, like, here's what I want to happen. How can that happen for me? And it always has, which at first I didn't believe would even work, but it, it always has over and over. So it sounds kind of like hippie corny stuff in a way, but it really does work to just kind of like ask for ask for your dreams and stay open to letting them come to you to a certain extent. Well, I think that's, I think that's beautiful. I, I think a lot of writers don't really have a, have a plan or, or a way to just say, I really want this to happen. And rather than just kind of being passive, you know, it's, it's saying, Hey, these, these I would, it sounds like your story, you know, from a young age, I want to be a writer. I'm going to do this. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to, you know, make this happen. And, and it's kind of that, Everybody wants to, but no one really has any plans in place to actually get to work and figure that out. And, you know, and yeah, the spiritual side is asking maybe your person of prayer, maybe ask, you know, God or whoever um, to just stay open to wherever it may lead you. Because um, you never know. That's the fun of, I think, writing and, and this thing. It's like, what is it? You know, it's this mm-hmm. thing we have to do. Nobody understands why. Why do we waste your time telling stories? But it's like you, you kind of have to. And you never know where that voice will take you. No, that's, that's really helpful. Thank you for that. Um, so Jackie, as we kind of close up things, where's the, what two things, what, what is the project you're most excited about right now working on? And then where can people find you? Um, the best place to find me is on Facebook because I'm pretty bad with other platforms and I'm excited. I'm excited about everything. If I'm not excited about it, I drop it. But I am like, I mean, what I'm doing now is my pen name stuff, so I don't want to reveal it, but (laughs) it's kind of my trashy romance stuff, but I really dream of the day I can get back to that long story because I have it all planned out and in my head it's glorious, even if only 10 people read it. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So yeah, check out Jackie on Facebook. She is very accessible and she was very kind uh, after I stalked her to come on the show and, uh, and share her story. So thank you, Jackie, for coming on. You're going to help a lot of people. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being excited about writing and making it fun. And I love that advice. It's just the thread all the way through is like, if you're not having fun doing this, then do something else or start a different story or, you know, we're not digging ditches here. So, um, so thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Prolific Writer Nation. That was Jackie Dolomore. You have it. Amazing interview. The guts, the grit, the grind. Love Jackie. So thankful she could come on the show. Hopefully there was tons of writerly advice to take away from her story. And I know there was. And one of those is just don't give up. And one of those is have fun writing. 
We're not digging ditches here, people. So have lots of fun. Write the things you love and keep on going. Hey, if you would do me a solid, could you leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher? Wherever you listen to the show, it really helps us get the show out into the world. Thank you for all the wonderful comments and nice gestures and emails and high fives and Facebook um, comments and all that. Um, just share this with your friends, share it with your family, share it with the other writer buddies. I'd love to get the word out. So thanks, everybody. This is Ryan J. Pelton, the prolific writer. Get those words on the page. All right, and I'll talk to you real soon.